Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, Tonight we're going to be spending time in Mark uh, chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And um, really the the word that is on my heart, um, I couldn't really find a specific title. So I I just, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, we try to, uh, uh, you know, make my titles rhyme or have alliteration. I couldn't figure one out. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to say what I feel. And what we're talking about tonight is a faith that doesn't quit. A faith that doesn't quit. Because in the, in the time and days that we, we live in, we're so used to convenience um, that we kind of treat our faith in the same way. Um, that when things start to get inconvenient, um, uh, we, we confuse that for things being impossible. Um, like we have faith for something, but as soon as something doesn't go according to plan, uh, we back up, right? We back off and we say, well, at least I tried. But see, God called us to live a life with a faith that doesn't quit. That even when we face adversity, even when things come against us, that's not a cue for us to quit. That's a cue for us to push in, uh, to go deeper with him and say, you know what, God, I have a faith that even when things don't look convenient, I'm not going to stop believing that you have something better on the way. So let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us. Um, We thank you, Father, that we are here for no no other reason uh, but to go closer to you, Jesus. So have your way, Holy Spirit. We thank you for open minds and soft hearts in this place. We thank you, God, that we are here, Father, just to to see miracles, signs, and wonders take place at your name, Father, that um, tonight we're going to see depression flee, that tonight we're going to see addiction crumble, that tonight, God, we're going to see relationship restored, God, that tonight, God, we're going to see the impossible happen because we have the faith to see it. We have the faith to believe it, God. We have the faith to step out and say that we see that, that when we just love you, Jesus, that we will see the impossible happen in our lives. So, Father, we give you all the glory and the praise for tonight and we thank you for just gathering us so we can spend time with you and experience the presence of the almighty we love you jesus and everybody says amen i'm gonna give jesus a hand clap give jesus a hand clap praise so we're starting in mark 2 we're gonna kind of take it verse by verse tonight and um so if you're not there yet get there real quickly um so we're going in mark 2 starting in verse 1 and um this is what it reads It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Kind of feels like Riverside Church. And he preached the the word to them. And he preached the word to them. So Jesus, in this point where we pick up, he is... um, began to really be uh, noticed by the community and be noticed by everybody. He's being known for the miracles he performs. He's being known for uh, uh, raising uh, the dead and, and healing the blind. And he's being known for all these things that he's become some kind of a, of a draw of people because they want to take part in these miracles that he's performing. And, and so Jesus, he, he, he returns home in the city of Capernaum. See, uh, Jesus, he was born in Bethlehem. Uh, he grew up in Nazareth, uh, but he spent his adult years before ministry in Capernaum. And so he returns to Capernaum, his hometown, and, and he returns to this place where people knew him before his success. And, and he returns to a crowd, and everybody is, is really uh, 
gathering around him trying to see is is this Jesus that we knew before is he really this this miracle worker is he really this person who who is uh, doing all these incredible things so everybody kind of wants a taste of Jesus right now and so everywhere he goes he's drawing a crowd and they all want to to experience the miracles and the signs and the wonders and in verse 3 it says some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them and since they could not get uh, him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on there is actually theologians who who come to a conclusion that they think that this house that they are gathered in is actually uh, Jesus's house. That, that the house, because we've got to remember he, you know, he was a carpenter, he had a trade, and so I believe that he had a house. And some, so some theologians um, uh, believe that this house where this place is taken at is actually the house of Jesus. And so all these people have gathered around uh, this place, and there's, there's this paralyzed man who is hearing about Jesus, who he probably knew before because Capernaum's a small town and so he's he's hearing about how Jesus is doing these miracles and and performing these signs and wonders and so they, they 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 want to be a part they want to be a part of this and when they arrive to the house the Jesus's house uh, they are disappointed by seeing that there's no room and see a lot of us in that situation what would we have probably done right this is a sign from God that I need to go back home there's, there's no room for me here. This is a sign that I'm not supposed to receive my healing. So this is a sign that I'm not supposed to uh, take this step of faith. But what these men did was really kind of crazy because their faith didn't quit. That They, they said, you know what, I see no room, but I'm going to make room for a miracle. I, I don't see any place for me, but I'm not going to allow that inconvenience try to tell me that it's impossible for this miracle to take place. And so these Four guys lowered their paralyzed friend down um, through the roof, and they make a hole. And if I'm Jesus, and this is my house, I'm going to be upset, right? Like, first I'm coming home, and I'm thinking, I, you know, I'm, I'm coming home, and, and I just want to find a place to rest. And he comes home, and people are making holes in his roof. But they lower him down. And they could have easily uh, took it as a sign that the room was too packed. They could, have, they could have easily gone back home, but they didn't. I believe that the faith of these men as they approached the house and they saw how packed it was, I believe that their faith wasn't uh, crushed. I believe that their faith began to swell. I believe that they began to see, you know what, maybe this is a sign that we sh this shouldn't happen. Maybe this is a sign that we should push more. Maybe this is a sign that we shouldn't give up, that our faith shouldn't quit on this. And so instead of taking a step back, they, they, they took a risk of, of, of with their faith and they began to make a way into the house. So the first point for tonight is I believe that to, to develop a faith that doesn't quit, we have to have hunger. Everybody say hunger. We have to have hunger for the promises of God. You have to have a hunger on the inside of you for the goodness of God. You have to have hunger on the inside of you to see the impossible happen in your life. You have to have that hunger on the inside of you to see your loved ones be saved. Because if you're not hungry for it, you're not going to see it happen. But when you're hungry, right, you go that extra mile. When you're hungry for something, you're willing to pray a little longer for it. When you're hungry for something, you're willing to, to maybe uh, worship a little longer for it. When you're hungry for something, you're, really, you're willing to go to a, a Riverside crew. 
When you're hungry for something, you're willing to take growth track. When you're hungry for something, you're willing to take that extra step, and you're willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to quit just yet. You're willing to take that extra step. You're willing to take that extra mile. I believe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those that hunger after God. Blessed are those who hunger after him, because when we hunger after him, we will, no go, we will never go hungry for anything else ever again. What I've learned about Jesus is that the more I hunger for him, the less I hunger for the world. The more I hunger for his presence, the, la the, the, the less I go hungry for, for people's opinions and for all these things the world has to offer because I believe how it says in John 6, 35, this is what I love, Jesus said to them, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That is the beauty of the Savior we serve is that when we are filled up with him, we'd have no need or desire or want or have to be filled up with anything else ever again. There's a lot of things this world has to offer, but it's not going to fill that need. There's a lot of things that we can find on the Internet, right, but it's not going to fill that need. There's a lot of things on Amazon that I can buy. I'm, I'm preaching to myself, but it's not going to fill that need, right? Only Jesus can feel that need, but when we have the hunger for him, when we have the hunger for those promises and a, and a hunger for his presence, when we have that type of hunger, our faith will not quit too early. We will have the faith that might seem a little crazy at times and said, you know what, this house is packed and it seems like there's no way in, but I'm going to make a way. I, I, I'm going to make a way. There, it seems like uh, this, my, my friend, um, he, he's not going to come to church, but I'm going to pick him up and take him to church. Uh, it seems like my, my coworker is always talking these things behind my back, but I'm going to go. I'm going to make a friend out of them. Have a faith that doesn't quit. It says in verse 5, it says, when Jesus, he says, Jesus saw their faith. Everybody say their faith. So Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. But this is what I want us to catch, is that Jesus said that he saw their faith. It didn't say that Jesus saw his faith. He said Jesus saw their faith. He saw all the, the, the friends of the paralyzed man's faith as well. You see, we can't be somebody, you can't live this life and expect your faith to not quit if, if everybody around you is a, is a faith vacuum. If, if, if everybody around you is saying the opposite of what you're believing for, it's hard to have a faith that doesn't quit. But Jesus, he looked across and maybe uh, probably above, they were coming from above, and he saw their faith. He saw the friends of the paralyzed man's faith, and that's when he began to communicate with them. He saw their faith. Point two for tonight is that we have to make sure our, our faith has help. you got to make sure your faith has help. If you have no around you if you if your friends are are not encouraging you it's hard to have faith that doesn't quit because as soon as something happens right as soon as something happens that doesn't go according to plan what did those friends say who was never believing in you anyways what did they say I told you so right I told you that wasn't gonna work I told you that going to church wasn't gonna solve all of your problems I told you that and they're gonna say these things and then all of a sudden your faith it it feels like you want to quit but when you're surrounded by people that when you do stumble, they pick you back up and say, no, you got to get somewhere. you got to go somewhere. There's better things ahead of you. That's when you develop a faith that doesn't 
quit. So don't surround yourself with faith vacuums. Don't surround yourself with people who, you know, those people, you begin talking about your dreams and your promises, and they say, psh, ain't never going to happen. You start, you start saying about how these things that God's placed on your heart, but psh, that ain't never going to happen. And they suck all the faith out of the room, right? I don't want to be around faith vacuums. I want to be around people who, who always are speaking positive and always saying, no, I believe in you. I believe that God can do that. Surround yourself with people with that kind of faith. And you might be in this room and say, well, what if I just live with faith on my own? Nobody around. No faith vacuums and nobody's adding faith. Well, can I, can I say this? That doesn't work either. Because your purpose requires people. Your promise will require people. If you try to live life on your lo- alone, you're not going to go far. There's not going to be things that God has so many great things in store for you, but he is going to use the people around you. But the point is, is that we have to find the right people to surround ourselves with. Don't be somebody who, when you get hurt by a a person, you you reject all people and you say, I'm just going to be by myself. I'm just going to be. See, that's the plan of the enemy is to be by yourself. But when somebody rejects you to say, I, I might be, this is why I love church, because if somebody rejects me, I know I got a church family to come back to and said, I got a lot of people who will build up my faith when I'm feeling down. That is why church is so important. That's just why having a community of believers is so important. It's because we are meant to pick each other up, not put each other down. Meant to pick each other up, that when our faith is hurting, when we feel like we want to quit, we pick each other up and say, don't give up just yet. I know there's a lot of people in that house, but you need to make a hole in the roof because there's a miracle waiting for you to push us through. But Jesus, he, he looked at this man. He's being lowered from the roof, and, and I'm sure the, 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 the want is so obvious of what this paralyzed man wants right he he wants to be healed he wants to walk and so if i'm jesus the first thing i'm saying is get up and walk right get up and walk and and you are healed but the first thing that jesus said to this man he said your sins are forgiven this is what powerful about jesus he sees what you want he sees what you want but he knows what you need he sees what you want but he knows what you need he saw that that man wanted to walk, but he knew that he needed his sins forgiven. He saw that that man, he wanted to be freed from this thing, but he knew that that was only a temporary freedom, but he could offer an eternal freedom to him. See, Jesus will always know what we need. There's been a lot of times where I thought I know what I need, but God knows what I need. There's been times when, right, you prayed for a want, but God delivered a need. Right, you, you, you prayed, oh, I, just, I just need a relationship, but, what, but God sent a role model to you to kind of show you how to shape things. Like, see, God knows the needs in our life. That's why we have to trust him. See, God does not operate by, by our wants. He operates by our needs. He knows what we need from him. He knows that we need his peace and his presence and his joy because that is when we are able to really see and really walk down God's purpose is when we walk in what God knows that we need. We have to trust that God knows what we need. In verse 6, it says, so all this is happening. There's a great scene going on. It's very dramatic. Jesus is just chilling in his living room, talking to some people. 
and people, and then somebody's, you know, digging a hole with their hands in his roof. And during this whole time, these religious leaders are watching this. And as they're watching this, they begin to have thoughts about this. And then in verse 6, it says, so now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? During the moment of should have brought everybody's faith up, during a moment when they're seeing this incredible story, all these religious leaders could think about is, say, is, 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 is saying, who does this guy think he is? All the religious leaders were thinking was, why does this guy think he can do that? Why, why, who does this guy think he is by operating in this authority, by operating with these miracles? See, these, these Pharisees, they had spent their entire life studying the law, preparing themselves for the Savior, yet the Savior is in the same vicinity as them, performing miracles, signs, and wonders, yet they can't see it. Yet they can't notice it. Yet all they can see is, who does this guy think he is? I believe that they were blinded by their own pride. That they were blinded by their own pride. That even though there was miracles in the room, they were missing it because they were too prideful. They weren't humble enough. They didn't have the humility enough. They didn't have uh, the humbleness to say that I need help too. I believe that's the, really what we need. That's point three for tonight is that we need faith that has humility. That says, I need help. See, a lot of times we get stuck, and a lot of times it's a man problem that we don't think we need help, right? We have everything figured out. We, we struggle with pride and saying, I don't need a miracle. I, I can fix this on my own, and we miss out on God's best because of that. We miss out on what God has for us because of that. But you see, God sees, and what God operates on is when he sees a humble heart. When he sees a heart of humility, say, God, I'm broken. God, I got problems. You know better than I do. See, he just said that Jesus knew their thoughts. See, if you don't think God doesn't know your problems. He knows your problems. But he's waiting for you to have that humility to say, God, I have those problems. I do need you. I do need a move. I, I, I do need that, that, that miracle. I do need that breakthrough. So we have to have humility. Because on the flip side, these guys who were being lowered through the roof, they could have easily done something totally different. I know it seems extreme to lo be lowered through the roof. But they could have easily said and, and seen that crowd of people in the, in, the, in the house, and they could have easily said, make way for Dow, right? Our need is way bigger than your need. And they could have, right, elbowed their way through and pushed people down and kicked people away and, and, and knocked people on the side of their heads and, and until they got to Jesus. But who knows, that wouldn't have been a, a, a humble heart. Jesus said, well, what are you doing? Well, you think that your needs are greater than their needs? You think that your problems are greater than, than their problems. And, and sometimes we can get in the same thing. We, we push people down trying to reach for God's promises. We, we push people down trying to make our way to God's breakthroughs. And that's, that's not how we get there. We have to have a humble heart. See, if on our way to Jesus, if we try to push and pull people down, we're going to miss out on the purpose that God has for us. See, they didn't force their way into G to Jesus. They didn't demand their way to Jesus. They made a hole in the roof, yes, but they didn't push people down and say, no, you don't understand. The, our, our paralyzed friend, he needs more help than you need help. He, no, they understood that there are needs, and needs greater than their needs. 
But Jesus is able to, to work with all those needs and heal everybody's needs. That Jesus is able to even uh, through a hole through the roof, Jesus is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. See, that's the type of heart we have to have is that even when the needs seem so uh, immeasurable, even when there seems like there's so many needs, because how many in this room, we have more than one need. I know I do. And sometimes we're like, God, there's a long checklist. I don't know how you're going to get through it. But when you have that heart of humility that says, God, I don't know how, but I know who. And I know that you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. So I'm not going to let my faith quit just at the doorstep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a way towards you, God. In verse 9, is this Jesus still speaking to the Pharisees? And he says, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority. Everybody say authority. authority. On earth to forgive sins. What Jesus was trying to say there is like, look, I'm not just a doctor. I'm not just a, a physician. I'm the savior of the world. I'm somebody who can not only heal your bodies, but I can heal your soul. I can heal what you can't even see. I can heal what hurts. I can heal what you can't even understand. I can heal depression. I can heal addiction. I can heal the things that nobody even can see in your life. What he was trying to say is if you think this is a big deal, this paralyzed man getting up and walking, you haven't seen nothing yet. The greatest miracle you could ever witness is somebody's eternity changing forever. The greatest miracle you could ever witness is salvation. It's somebody who is on the path to destruction in an instant with Jesus. Now by the, his blood, now they're on the path to righteousness. That is the greatest miracle that we could ever witness. And so we continue in verse 11. And so he said to the man, he said, I tell you, get up. Everybody say get up. Say, get up, take your mat, and go home. So what did the man do? He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. Jesus didn't reach out to him and help him up. Jesus didn't even say, you're healed. He just told him to get up. He just told him, hey, get up, get your mat, and get out of here, really. <laughs> get out of my house. He didn't say nothing about being healed. He didn't say nothing about you're going to walk. He, he didn't say, get up and get your mat. But what I believe that the paralyzed man had in his heart, that he had hope that he was going to be healed when he got up. That he had hope that when he got up, that his legs that were paralyzed were now going to be functional and he was going to walk out of there. That he had hope that this man named Jesus was somebody who could perform miracles and signs and wonders. That he had hope that he was healed. See, the same mat that he was carried out on was the same mat that he was carried out of the house. The same utensil that was used to carry him to Jesus, the same utensil he used to, to leave the house. See, God, he, he sees where you are at, and sometimes we think this is this a mat right now. Like, there's situations, I don't know if you've ever been, like, like I, this is something I'm trying to hide right now, but the same thing we're trying to hide, God's saying you're going to use later. The same thing that you might be ashamed of, like you might be saying, I, I'm sure that paralyzed man, he was ashamed of that mat. Now that mat is part of his testimony as he walks around, and people are looking at him and saying, what was that mat used for? Say, this used to be my bed, 
but now this is something I could carry around and say Jesus is great and Jesus can heal you. I believe that is why we go through things sometimes. That's just why we have places that we are ashamed of sometimes because when God brings healing and brings us out of it, we can walk around with it. We can walk around with it high and proud and knowing that it wasn't us who got us off that mat, but it was the power of Jesus that got us off that mat. And if God can do it for us, then he can do it for you. See, he had hope that he was healed. He had hope that he was healed. That's point four for tonight is having faith that won't quit. You always have to have hope. Always have hope that tomorrow is going to be better. Always have hope that the best is yet to come. Always have hope that you are going to be healed. I don't know how long you've been struggling with that addiction or that illness, but still have hope that healing is on the way. Still have hope that you're going to see better days are yet to come. Still have that type of hope because that is how our faith will never quit. Because the moment we give up and the moment we lose our hope is the moment our faith wants to quit. It's the moment we want to stay on that mat. It's the moment we don't want to go into the house with Jesus. It's that moment because we don't have hope anymore. I know there's been times where I've been hopeless about situations. I've been hopeless about God. I've been trying to, to do this for years. I've been trying to, to get out of this for a long time. I'm beginning to lose hope. But see, it's in that moment when they were in the presence of Jesus where their hope was restored. I believe the only way to restore your hope is not people, not possessions, not politics. We can't put our hope in those things. We can only put our hope in Jesus. And when they began to be around Jesus, their hope began to be stirred up on the inside of them. And now when Jesus told them to get up, I'm sure their friends were looking around like, should we carry him out? But he had hopes. And no, he's telling me I'm healed. He's telling me that I'm walking out of here. Jesus is telling me that I'm going to be healed from this situation. He had hope. Everybody say hope. He had hope. So that's what we got to focus on is not to lose our hope. We can't lose our hope for tomorrow. Mom and dad, don't lose hope for that son or daughter to come into the house of God. Business person, don't lose hope that, this, that the better days are still to come. Don't lose that hope. Because the moment we lose that hope is the moment our faith wants to quit. It's the moment we want to settle. It's the moment we even might have said to ourselves, I'm going to be in this situation. I'm going to be on that mat forever. I might as well make a home out of it. I might as well make a, make a life out of it. But always have hope that best is still to come. Always have hope that my miracle is on the way. Always have that type of hope, and that is when your faith will never quit. Will you stand with me? I'm closing. So this man, this paralyzed man, he doesn't say how long he was paralyzed, but I'm sure it's either an accident or for, or, or for life. He, he walked into the room paralyzed, but he, 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 he left uh, walking on his own two feet. And it says in Scripture, it said that this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. If there's one thing that faith in Jesus will do, it will make you see something that you never thought you would see. If there's something that having faith in Jesus will do is that he will go beyond your expectations. He will go beyond your, your thoughts of what you were supposed to have or, or even what you thought you wanted to have. He will go beyond it all because when you have that faith in Jesus, he's going to deliver that experience. He's going to deliver that testimony. He's going to deliver that purpose and that promise that you never thought you were capable of. But that's what faith is. It's 
us putting our belief in something, in somebody, who we know that I might not understand how this is going to happen. I might not even understand why I'm in this situation. But I have faith that's not going to quit. And I have faith that I'm going to see the best is still yet to come. And I'm going to have faith that I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to have faith that I'm going to get better. I'm going to have faith that I'm going to get out of this depressed season. I'm going to have faith that I going to see my marriage be restored. I'm going to have faith that I'm going to see my loved ones come into the house of God. I'm going to have faith that doesn't quit. And when you have that type of faith, I've seen it in my life. I know you've seen it in yours too. You'll see things where you're going to say, wow, I've never seen anything like this. Wow, I've never seen a peace like this. I've never seen a joy like this. I, I've never seen a blessing like this. If you're saying, Caleb, I, I've never said that in my life. Well, you we need to start having faith that doesn't quit. Because I let me tell you this, God is faithful. He will never leave us behind. And if we just don't give up on him, he's never going to leave us. It's not that God doesn't want it for us. It's that we just have to have the faith that lasts and doesn't quit. A faith that says even if it doesn't happen until my children's lifetime, I'm not going to quit on it. I'm not going to stop praying on it. We have to have that type of faith. I'm going to close with this thought. That the greatest quality of faith we need is one that doesn't quit. The greatest quality of faith we need is one that doesn't quit. It's not a faith that's perfect. It's not a faith that needs to be all uh, this so nice and pretty. It's not a faith that says, oh, uh, you know, I, I, I never gave up once or I never doubted once. No, you just need a faith that doesn't quit. Because you might be in this place and say, I've already given up. I've already lost hope for my healing. I already lost hope that I'm going to get my prayer. I've already given up. But can I encourage you with this? That even when you think it's over, you can still have that faith that says, I'm going to continue. I'm going to not give up on this. I'm not going to quit. And God doesn't see and look and say, well, you get, you, you, you're not, your faith's not perfect. He doesn't say that. He says, I see your faith. And I see that you're persevering. And I see that, yes, it hasn't been easy for you. I see that things have been hard in the house. Or I've seen that, that, that uh, financially things have been tough. But you still haven't given up. You still haven't quit. Even when things got hard. Even when there was times when you had doubt in your mind. Even when there was even moments where you're losing hope. If we just don't quit, that's the quality of faith that God needs. Not a perfect faith, but a, but a faith that perseveres every head bowed and eyes closed what I want to pray tonight is that father give us a faith that doesn't quit God give us a faith that that doesn't give up a faith that even when things are inconvenient even when things seem impossible we're not gonna quit and father there's any person on the sound of my voice who might have given up on some dreams or purposes there's anybody on the sound of my voice who might have lost hope, who might have said, I did quit. I, I did stop believing. I did stop praying for that. I, did st I, I just started living on that mat. I started living in that situation thinking it would never change. God, right now, restore their faith in the name of Jesus. Right now, Father, begin by your Holy Spirit to get encourage them and let them know that the best is yet to come. Let them know that better days are ahead. Let them know that healing is for them. Let them know that peace is for them. Let them know that the promises you gave them never return in vain, but the promises you give will always come into fruition. Father, give us a faith that doesn't quit. Give us a faith, Father, that we stand firmly upon, 
that people can even look to us and know that this person might not have all things together, but their faith is always going to be one steering towards the future. Always be a one that's having hope. Always a faith that is humble. Always a faith that is hungry for the best and the promises of God. So, Father, right now, begin to encourage your church, God. Begin to encourage your church. Begin to encourage your church. Father, we thank you if there's any healing that needs to happen in this house. That, Father, right now, by your stripes, we are healed. God, if there's any kind of ailments in the body, right now somebody's struggling with pain uh, in their back. Father, right now, God, we thank you for them being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your healing, God. We thank you, God, that there is, Father, uh, a way out. There is, Father, God, healing on the way, God, that you are the great physician, that by your stripes we are healed. And that, Father, we don't have to rely on anything else we don't have to look to anything else we just have to look up and say Jesus I trust you and I have faith and I have faith right now just draw a circle around yourself we're about to sing a song together and as we worship whatever is on your heart whatever you you're, you're holding on to what is that that promise what is that that need what is that desire that you have that that has been given from God and you haven't seen it come into fruition, bring it into your mind and into your spirit and begin to give God praise for that it's going to happen and begin to give God thanks for that it's going to happen and say, Father, I'm going to have a faith that doesn't quit. Come on, let's sing and worship together. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.